Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's been a hell of a day. <laughs> I'm not the biggest golf person in the world, but I certainly pay attention to it. That was a mammoth announcement, especially without telling those on the PGA Tour or those golfers about it. That's going to be fun. That should be an absolute blast coming up here if it's not already underway in Canada with the commish and the golfers explaining that. I know what you mean when you hear about like Roy McIlroy or Tiger Woods, you know, how much they would have forfeited, given up, if you will, uh, by staying strong and staying loyal to the PGA and not going to the live tour. And I know a lot of you are going to say, hey, you know what, it's not like they really need it. But it does bring up a point to be made, just the loyalty of it. The loyalty of it to turn down in a world now where, as you can see, nobody's turning down any longer massive amounts of money. Man, Bud Fox was absolutely right when he asked Gordon Gecko, you know, how many yachts do you need to water ski behind? When's enough enough? And it's never going to be enough. Never, ever going to be enough. And it is uh, big time. It, it's really infiltrating all of your levels of sports. You used to feel like you got away from it at some levels, but it is all there right now. It is all there. Nobody's trying to hide it. It's incredibly transparent. And that's where you are. And we'll get the latest Ted Bishop was the 38th president of the PGA of America. And Ted's going to join us coming up here in a couple of minutes. I wanted to make sure that I got all this information out to you because, again, I'm not the biggest golfing fan in the world. I pay enough attention to understand. But I wanted to bring on somebody that can explain it to you and fold the tail, and especially somebody that was firmly on the side of the PGA. And I kind of want to see where, where Ted's head might be now. No, after the news of the day, and of course, I think Ted's probably doing 9,000 different things, being the former PGF America president. So Ted Bishop's going to join us, hopefully coming up here in the next 10 or so minutes. We'll get you ready for that. Greg Rakestraw, bottom of the hour. I think Greg's actually calling golf. I think it's junior golf over at uh, Crooked Stick. He and the Lance of Ringler 
on the ISC network, I believe it to be. Uh, the Lance of Ringler of Edgewood High School, and he is a really good official. He's a really good high school official, certainly, that hangs with it. He and Greg Raystraw have been a part of that. We'll talk to Greg coming up at the bottom of the hour, 4 o'clock for Ian Eagle. Ian Eagle of CBS, he is the new voice of the Final Four, which is awesome, of course. Covered the NBA, did it for TNT. We'll go over the NBA and just a lot of other stuff. Remember the last time Ian was on, he mentioned he was at the 87 national title game because he is a Syracuse Orangeman when they lost on that last second shot by Keith Smart to IU. I'll bring that back up with Ian coming up in the 4 o'clock hour as well. And Stephen Holder, because one story that didn't go away around here, nationally it went poof and went away, but around here it hasn't. It is that of Isaiah Rogers. So yesterday in the second hour, we were sitting around waiting to find out who it was going to be. As we found out, it was ultimately Isaiah Rogers. Just dumbfounding lack of judgment beyond belief. And we'll find out, I'm sure, relatively soon how much deeper that it goes, how much more there is there, if there is more there. But just by the simple facts alone, from Sports Handle, which initially got that story out yesterday to all of us, and again, we were talking about it, but really couldn't go that far on this show because we did not have the details. All we knew is the Colts' response meant that there was actually something going on, and then the name that came out was Isaiah Rogers. And still, the information from Sports Handle, then through Action Network, and now others have jumped on it, is that Rogers did did put money, did wager on the NFL. Uh, it was reported that it was wagered on the Colts as well. And NFL stuff, that's an automatic. That's an automatic. One year. And I think he's got one year remaining on the contract, so you're thinking, all right, this is probably not going to work long term. Yeah, and I saw this a little bit earlier about the NFL investigating gambling allegations involving even more players per Albert Breer. Uh, if all this is true, you're you're probably going to have to do a better job of explaining everything to these players. And I still don't know if it's going to work. Because when that opportunity's there, hey, you know what? We'll just do it and I'll uh, utilize this person. Yeah, good luck with that. And then we're left to explain, well, you know, why is it that they can have these big-time advertisers in sports wagering? Well, I mean, it should be clear why the two on the field don't mix. You know, off the field, whatever strengthens, in this case, the bank account is going to work, but, you know, on the field, it's not going to work. So if you're thinking with Isaiah Rogers that if it's going to be a one-year suspension, again, we'll find out then why even mess with it? And then somebody sent me a list for the Colts of those possibilities that still loom out there as far as a veteran corner is concerned. Let me tell you this. That was a concern anyway. I mean, something was going to have to be done with that anyway, and now even more so. So $25 to $50 parlays, You're in line to make around two mil. You, you jeopardize that and a spot for a year in the NFL. You know, maybe even your career in the NFL for that.
I don't care how many signs you have up in or around the locker room. Some people you're just not going to be able to get to, I guess. I guess. Now, we'll find out if more are out there. I saw this from Albert Breer where he notes that rumors have swirled for weeks that the NFL's latest probe could implicate a healthy number of guys from across the league. Quote, a healthy number of guys from across the league. So this is probably just getting good. Stephen Holder joins us. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, and we shall discuss that with him. But at least nationally for right now, nationally that all went away because of this merger in golf today. And there is a whole lot of backpedaling going on. Make no mistake about that. You know, yesterday we talked to the head coach of Indiana State. Mitch Hannes was on the show, and we talked at length about his team going to the Super Regional. And if you remember, the first thing that I asked was hearing that they were going to be unable to host the Super Regional, that they are the higher seed, higher than TCU, so they would be in line to host a Super Regional, which would be great. You know, and everybody wants to go, well, but the financials of it and all this, but I'm thinking about it from a standpoint of a team that I love, a school that I love, that I want to give them the best opportunity to make it to Omaha. Two of three winning at home is much better than trying to do it on the road against arguably the hottest offensive team going in baseball right now collegially. So I understand I understand the situation in Terre Haute, and it was explained to me yesterday uh, with the Special Olympics that are in town. This is um, an annual event. They take a great deal of pride in. There is no doubt that is spectacular, always has been, and always will. Now, we'll find out. I think Sherrod Klinkscales, the athletic director, is going to have a presser at four. Now, I asked him a little bit earlier today if he would call in and explain to all of you because, to me, I think we have a lot more Indiana State people that listen to this show than probably tune in to the press conference. So I just wanted to to see, because we got a lot of angry folks right now. And I want the angry folks, I want the angry folks to still understand that we're all on the same team right here. And I also want the angry folks not to turn this thing around or flip it to the point to where you look incredibly ignorant and insensitive about it. Right? That's how I want this to work, and that's how it would work close to a perfect world. In a perfect world, you would just figure out a way to do it all. And until I hear otherwise, I'm going to wonder why you just could not figure out a way to do it all. Whether or not it was the NCAA that came down and said, hey, you know what, there's no way you guys are going to be able to handle this. It's like putting me at the age of 17 in a calculus class. There's no way he can handle it. We know that before it even starts. So let's defer here. And really, that's what from the athletic department that release sounded like. It sounded like that they deferred. It sounded like that they won the toss and they deferred to the second half. But in this case, they deferred to Dallas and TCU. That is so major and such a big deal 
And again, I want to keep this on an understanding and a sensitive level, but you also, in terms of what we talk about sports, that is such a massive big deal compared to having to go on the road. And listen, I respect this team for being tough as nails. They have been since February a group of badass dudes. But I also want to see them have the best advantage to get to Omaha for the first time since, what, 1986 and be a part of that. I want to see them have the best possible opportunity, and the best possible opportunity would be playing at the Bob. Now, we'll see what Sherrard, Sherrard Klinkscales, the AD, again, meets with the media, whomever that's going to be over there coming up at four. And I did ask for him to come on the show, and he said, he texted me back and said that he would handle it in the presser. Um, you probably would understand how I feel about that. I'm thinking, no, just go ahead and jump your ass on here and tell us. We'll all understand, but we'll have to play off the presser. Just get on here with us. I mean, every day, probably to a point where some of you get tired of it. Anybody out there get tired of me promoting Indiana State ad nauseum? I probably do. I probably do. I don't want to say damage or hurt. That's overblown. Probably do ding the show a little bit all the time because I bring up something that it's not like when I'm bringing up IU. And if you love them or you hate them, you're going to be engaged. It's not like I bring up Purdue, kind of the same thing going on here. So I am I am here to promote promote the teams and promote the university that I love. You guys probably do get tired of it sometimes. I don't blame you. But I just kind of want to know, and I think you guys deserve to know, I want to know that they exhausted every single opportunity. That's what I want to hear. Every single opportunity to host. This is such a big deal. It's Indiana State. College World Series opportunity. It's a big deal. For an athletic department that is not as robust as others. For a university, for example, not as robust as others. I always talk about around here, and I'm not trying to make the comparisons, just anywhere really. When you have multi-events going on and everybody wants to come to your town, that makes it so special. I always felt that way in terms of Bloomington. And certainly around here on a much larger scale, it always makes it so special. And that's how I want to feel. That's how I want people to feel about Terre Haute. You know, for a long time, I've been trying to just sidestep the, hey, it stinks, or this is what it used to smell like, and, you know, Terre Haute, yuck, whatever. And this would be just another opportunity to say, hey, look, look at all this that's going on right here. You know, this annual event that we care so much about, that we have hosted for so many years, is such a big deal to so many people. Uh, We are doing that. We are also doing this super regional for one team coming into town for possibly three games. And until I hear otherwise, I just I hope that they exhausted every opportunity. I hope that it wasn't the president saying, hey, you know what, there's too much here. Let's go ahead and do something else. Yeah, we got too much going on. I don't know. So hopefully they did. And I don't know the other answers. I'm assuming Sherrod's going to have them coming up here at 4 o'clock. All the other answers about why you couldn't try to go someplace else. 
I mean, really any place else, any place else that had any sort of capacity whatsoever to where you wouldn't have to have, you know, a fan base that I'm sure just kind of jumped on that bandwagon. Listen, I just started talking about it back in April. I know exactly how they feel. That's going to cost $700 to $1,000 to go down to Dallas to do it as opposed to playing somewhere near and dear to your backyard. Yeah, I love them. I love them, and I hope that's what I hear. And we'll find out a little bit more. I'll talk to you. By the way, if you missed yesterday, there is nobody better to talk baseball with than Mitch Hannes. Go back and listen to that. When the rest of the news came out later on in the day, I went back and I listened to the start of the conversation when I directly asked him that. And clearly that's above his pay grade. And by the way, he needs a raise, but that's above his pay grade. His pay grade should be higher after this year. Indiana State, he needs a raise. But after that conversation, I kind of you know, I kind of got the feeling that it was something he didn't want to talk about. I got that feeling when I was talking to him about it. That's why I kind of just deferred and didn't go much deeper into it. Yeah. Sorry about that. So I kind of deferred a little bit. Because I could tell he didn't want to get into it or maybe he couldn't get into it. And I respect that. Sometimes those are the things when you're talking to somebody that they tell you without telling you. Uh, we'll find out at 4 o'clock for you Sycamore fans. You see, again, you guys, like Richard, I, I've asked, I don't care where it is, if it's got any capacity whatsoever. Why not? If it's closer, why not? Yeah, maybe it was the NCAA. That's not what I've heard, but maybe it was. Hey, all that and more coming up, and it's Sherrod Clinkscales, the AD, is going to have that presser at four, and I'm assuming a lot of you will tweet stuff at me to tell me exactly how that is going down. But I did want to mention to you, I did reach out to him, and he said that the presser is going to, to speak for itself coming up here at four o'clock. Nicely said. Um, again, he still should pick up the phone and call, but I understand. Also understand this, this is a huge day in golf. You have a merger going on, LIV and the PGA. And for more on that via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, the 38th president of the PGA of America. He is the pro down at Legends in Franklin, a friend of this show. He is Ted Bishop. Ted, thanks for the time. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I think like everybody in the golf world, just kind of shocked with today's developments. How do you view it? Because I obviously know where you stood at the the early stages of LIV and those golfers from the PGA Tour that made that jump. How do you feel about what has taken place so far today as the news continues to be fluid, but at least substantially to this point, what has taken place? Well, I think like uh, most people in golf, my head really right now is spinning, and it's almost like you don't have enough information to really wrap your arms around where we're at and what's going to happen. But it's been kind of interesting just to watch and observe um, some of the media reaction, some of the player reaction. And I think there are many people out there, JMV, that feel like this was a sellout by the PGA Tour. Um, and it's it's been uh, quite intriguing to watch some of the clips of interviews that were done with Commissioner Jay Monahan over the past year and some of the things that he said about Live, the Saudis, uh, their public investment fund. And, uh, you know, here we are um, doing really almost a complete 360-degree 
turn, and now uh, these people are, are partners with the PGA Tour. And I, we're left to, as always, say, yep, money won out again. Even with the words that you mentioned from Monaghan, and everybody's bringing that back now. I mean, these strong, these hard words, and not to mention the fact that, you know, he and they had a lot of these golfers like Roy McIlroy, for example, really go to bat for them, to hang with them. I can't imagine what that reaction is going to be this afternoon somewhere in Canada. Uh, well, exactly, and I, I just watched an interview with Brandel Chambly on Golf Channel, and specifically, he referred to Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, uh, two guys that have been absolutely loyal to the PGA Tour that turned down millions of dollars uh, for moral reasons, and they've been very outspoken in their support of the PGA Tour, and I cannot imagine uh, how people like that feel, but... Uh, there's been a lot of comments from just uh, rank-and-file PGA Tour players at the Canadian Open that um, are really distraught. I mean, uh, critical of the stance that the PGA Tour has had. And, you know, some of the interesting uh, things, you know, questions that have been asked, uh, will ultimately the way the, the Tour is going to look being structured going forward, and it's kind of complicated, but there's going to be – two business structures there's they're going to continue to be a 501 um, c6 um, operation that's going to govern the the tour activities that take place the tournaments that take place that's going to remain in a, in a non-for-profit status but then all their commercial business is going to go into this other for-profit business entity with the dp world tour and the uh, saudi public investment fund and and that investment fund is going to really be the financial driver for this and so people are asking will ultimately piff control and own american golf and if that's the case then what's next um you know they've 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 been kind of legitimatized by the pga tour and uh, you know will they go after the nfl next i mean it's just a really complicated series of questions it seems like that there's an endless amount of money stream coming from where this is coming from right now and see these are questions and you're right i don't know how smoothly how quickly we're going to get a lot of these answers to these questions but i would agree with you i think this stuff that you're talking about even beyond the game of golf right now ted i think that there are legitimate worries moving forward well i don't think there's any question about it and i think that uh uh some of the uh, you know they just did an interview with keith pelly who's the CEO of of the DP World Tour and and Rich Lerner from Golf Channel asked him some very provocative questions about the relationship with the Saudis and and their stance on human rights and torture. And, you know, Pelly basically was very matter-of-fact and said, you know, we don't mix sports with world politics. We're not about human rights. And um, just a few minutes ago, there's an organization called uh, 9-11 Families United and um, you know one of these clips I mentioned uh, an interview that Monaghan had done with, with Nance was was almost a year ago to the day and uh, Jay talked about uh, just the empathy that he had for 9-11 families and how those guys that committed to live to her certainly um, you know didn't feel that same uh, type of uh, 
emotion, I guess, with, with what happened at 9-11 and, and this uh, organization, 9-11 Families United, just uh, released, a, as you can imagine, a very scathing um, news release towards the PGA Tour and, and towards Monaghan. So it's, uh, that man, it's, it's crazy. And, and I think, once again, it just goes to show that uh, money oftentimes trumps morality. The 38th president of the PGA of America in front of this show, Ted Bishops, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline on the big news, the big golfing news of the day. I kind of thought about this immediately. There are a lot of quotes that go through my head whenever this news broke. Uh, this from the film Wall Street, when Bud Fox told Gordon Gecko, tell me, Gordon, when does it all end? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? I think what we're learning with everything now, it's never enough, is it? No, it, it, it's not. And uh, I think that uh, the, the other big issue that you're going to have and where there's a lot of uh, pain with the current PGA Tour players is going to be the reentry of the live players back onto the PGA Tour. I mean, this is going to happen. They're going to give these guys uh, the ability to come back. So now you've had individuals that have taken the live money who are going to now be allowed to come back and play on the PGA Tour. And I'm sure that there's going to be a ton of resentment uh, initially with those guys. I think the other interesting issue is going to be the antitrust regulations uh, that this merger is going to no doubt uh, stimulate and certainly in Washington, D.C. And uh, it's kind of interesting and people would forget this, but that the NFL AFL merger actually required an act of Congress to avoid antitrust laws. Uh, the PGA Tour is already being um, subjected to a pretty thorough review by the Department of Justice on their business operations. So, uh, it, it remains to be seen uh, what those people are going to do with this. So Ted Bishop, who joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, um, is have you seen it all? Is beyond, I guess, the fact that that ultimately you'll get to see these guys play weekly together, but you were seeing them playing the majors together anyway. Do you, do you see? Is there any type of hey, oh wow, hey, that's nice? Is there anything good in your estimation, at least on the surface? that's coming out of this and can you look at it from the PGA side at all and find anything good from it? Well, you know, the interesting thing is all the experts will tell you that the PGA tour was on their way to winning uh, the lawsuit that uh, they were involved with, with Liv. So I felt like just as a casual observer of golf today, which is really all I am, that as time went by, the live issue was becoming less and less a factor. Yeah, the, their top players had had some success playing in the major championships, but sooner or later, based on the format that they were playing, they were going to run out of world ranking points. And if they, their only avenue to uh, entry into a major championship was going to be to be a former champion. And I just felt like that uh, younger players, new new names on the PGA Tour were getting an opportunity to showcase themselves. And golf was kind of moving to a good place. And you, you just kind of felt really good about the stance of the PGA Tour, which is an American sports institution. And it's like today, all that changed. And I get sick and tired when I hear – large conglomerates like this talk about how much this is a growth of the game issue. 
Well, I, I don't really see how <laughs> this is going to grow the sport. Yeah, it's going to grow the certainly the bank accounts of the elite players that play the sport. But uh, for the average person in Scotland, the United States, Japan, Spain, wherever they're playing golf worldwide, uh, you got to show me how this is going to grow the sport. He is Ted Bishop. One final thing, Ted, before I let you go. It, when you look at it in, in terms of why this decision was made, is there an aspect beyond the financials of it that you would understand why a decision like this was made? Uh, you know, I think that, uh, that that's a great question, and that question was act, actually asked um, to a, a couple of the so-called experts that, that I was watching. And they felt like, you know, one of the reasons was that it was going to avoid um, the lingering uh, legal issues that were out there between Liv and PGA Tour. They thought this was going to be a long and very expensive lawsuit, that the only winners were going to be the attorneys, obviously. Um, the PGA Tour... Uh, does kind of face the dilemma of ha- of having what I would call um, the entanglement of some of their business entities who are already involved with Saudi Arabia and their PIF fund, um, and then I would say I would say those would would have been maybe the two biggest issues that would have led them down this road. But I think the bottom line is I I, I really wonder this at the end of the day, and I'm talking five ten years down the road. I, I think maybe the PGA Tour possibly had some financial concerns in their business plan about the sustainability of the purses that they're now offering. And when they went to these expanded um, you know, formats where eight PGA Tour events are, are offering purses of $20 million, the Players' Championship is 25, and I don't know what the sustainability of that would be because it's been no secret that a lot of what I would call the regular tour events that didn't fall into the expanded categories, they've taken a beating, um, as you can imagine, because they haven't had the fields that they would have had in the past. And there was a lot of unrest, you know, on that part of the PGA Tour structure. So um, there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than you and I that that were involved in this decision. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Hey, Ted, I know that uh, you're probably getting called up about 9,000 times today because of this. The 38th president of the PGA of America is Ted Bishop down in Franklin at the Legends. Thank you for giving us time and sorting this out here at the beginning of the show. And uh, uh, we'll catch up with you once we learn a little bit more. But, again, thanks for jumping on here as quickly as you did. No, no problem. Hope that helped you out some. You got it. Ted Bishop right there. Thanks, Ted. Yep. Ted Bishop on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I thought that I owed it to you to get this thing going toward the beginning to kind of sort it out with somebody that really knew and somebody that, like me, just wasn't running and kind of jumping into it because it is just a mammoth story. I'm not the biggest golf dude in the world, so with that, I like to have those that certainly are better and smarter with it and about it than me be able to sort it out. And even without a level of information we're all still kind of looking for, I thought Ted did a great job of that. That's Ted Bishop down in Franklin. He's the 38th president of the PGA of America. A great background and a lot to say on the news in the golf world, which was incredible 
earlier today. Quick break, and we'll come back. A busy show for you as well. Greg Rakestraw is going to join us. Ian Eagle will talk some NBA and more coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. And, yes, more on Isaiah Rogers. We'll get down to that from ESPN.com. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Jeff Foxworthy tickets, 50 cent tickets to give away as well. Do not go anywhere. Lounge via YouTube Live. It is going right now as well. You've got the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, De La Cruz being called up by the Reds going with the 44. That almost makes it move a little bit right there. That's a sports arousal. Shout out to Eric Davis, one of my favorite all-time players. Mm. 44 Magnum was one of the better posters of all time, too. Uh, Ted Bishop helping us sort out the LIV-PGA merger that happened, at least reported, a little bit earlier today. Podcast, if you missed Ted at all, the 38th president of the PGA of America. 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I've been having conversations in there with folks so far. Greg Rakestraw was at 3.30. We will move him back to 4.30, uh, as I believe, out of Crooked Stick. They're in a playoff right now. Ian Eagle of both CBS and Turner at 4 o'clock. And Stephen Holder will help make even more sense. And maybe there's some breaking news by the time we get to Stephen Holder from ESPN.com coming up at 5 o'clock regarding Isaiah Rogers and um, just um, a mind-numbingly dumb decision or a group of dumb decisions as it stands. And dumb decisions that will end up getting you punted. And not in a good way. It's going to end up getting you run. I mean, let's just face it. If you're a Colts fan right now, if it's a year, it might as well be the rest of his career here. He'd have to go find something someplace else. Why would you even want to mess with it? See ya. I mean, I know what you're saying, but you got a one-year deal remaining. Sets out the entire year. If everything that was reported was true from yesterday, and it sounds fairly accurate, uh, if you missed it last night, Isaiah Rogers himself owned up to it. Colts didn't know. That's the other thing I want to know from Stephen Holder. Evidently, the Colts didn't know. He knew before they knew. That's all really weird. Uh, but Stephen Holder joins us in the 5 o'clock. Yeah, well, we may have more to sort out by the time that he joins us, and hopefully so. And I saw the Albert Breer from a little bit earlier today where – he believes there's going to be even more, not even more Colts, but NFL players in general that a probe could implicate. I believe his quote was this, a healthy number of guys from across the league. <laughs> a healthy number. From Chad, it makes you think a little bit about the Vikings game collapse. If it comes out that he bet on or against his own team, he should be banned. I, he did not play. What was he inactive the last two games, I believe, of the season? 
Yeah, I mean, this stuff makes you think about a lot of things. I, I think that, to me, though, I guess, Chad, I don't look at it that way because I, I think it took in that game on that Saturday in Minneapolis a special level of ineptitude to do that. I mean, it's a special level. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like how bad do you have to be? I don't even know if you can play the role of bad and be that bad in the second half. But, yeah, you bet. You bet on the NFL. You bet on football, your team, or otherwise, and that is going to be a year. We've seen that from the NFL. They're going to hand down the punishment. And if it's going to be a year, it might as well be the rest of the career here. You know, why even jack with it at this point? I don't know. People are saying, so what do you really feel? Are you really that bummed? I mean, obviously, they need guys to be able to play in the secondary. But you just kind of look and you go, wow, what are you thinking? For what was reported as like 25 to $50 parlays. So you go ahead and just foobar, stick a dynamite to your career for that. Is that fun? It's incredible to me. Uh, but that is the expectation. I guess we shall see. I love the fact De La Cruz is rocking the 44. I love me some ED. Not that ED. Eric Davis. <laughs> Let me rephrase here. Uh, JT, I don't know for sure. I'm assuming yes. Is ISU going to at least be the home team in their games, even though that they won't be in Terre Haute? Uh, again, we'll find out at four. Sherrod Clickscales is the director of athletics over at Indiana State. He's going to meet, I think, with the media over there at four o'clock. And I did ask him to come on, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it whatsoever. I would rather him come on here for you because I want you guys to get that firsthand. But he said, I'll answer these questions in the presser, which doesn't make me feel great. Can't lie, but whatever. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more at 4 o'clock. I promote him pretty well. You could tell yesterday, a lot of people were saying, you could tell when you ask the head coach of Indiana State, I'm reading this verbatim right here, you could tell that he was uncomfortable with the answer he was about to give regarding hosting a Super Regional, and that was Mitch Hanna's yesterday. I don't know if I could tell he was uncomfortable. I could tell that he didn't really want to get into it. You kind of get that sometimes? I'll give you a great example. Like this morning, I think the fellas this morning had Zaire Franklin on. Probably sounded the same way. You could tell that he he really doesn't want to get into it at that extent that everybody would like him to, but because those guys are professional and they sit in this chair, you have to ask. I mean, you have to bring it up. If you can't bring that up, then there's there's no use to doing the interview. That's kind of how I felt yesterday. You know, you had to ask, but it's like, all right, well, all this is taking place higher than me. And really, 
I'm trying to make sure that my team is ready to go regardless of where we're playing. If we're playing in Terre Haute, if we're playing in Dallas, if we're playing in Effingham, doesn't matter. I'm just trying to keep these guys on the same page. But as I mentioned, it is such a massively big deal. You talk about the hottest offensive team going right now in college baseball, to have them in your place as opposed to playing them in theirs, it's a huge difference. Huge difference. Uh, JMV, what Rodgers did is stupid, but I think he was throwing games with one placing $50 bets is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, see, and that's where you go. And and Kay Adams, I'll give you an example of yesterday. I had a lot of calls yesterday, and I did not want everybody coming on here and then throwing out dudes' names that had no direct at all involvement, had zero involvement. So I apologize to those that waited on hold yesterday, but I did not want this show because we had yet to to find out who it was. I didn't want, want all these names. Well, you know, this is who it is, clearly is why. I did not want that because that would be unfair to those that would be mentioned on this show that had zero to do with it. And I couldn't give that a format. Nah, it's just dumb. It is just dumb. I, you, you look at it and just how you just, I mean, how you just foobar your career for that is amazing to me. Yeah, that's stuff you've worked for, you've worked to prove out of UMass, had to prove so many people wrong. And then. I mean, that's not just a, well, you know, I made a bad mistake or a couple of bad mistakes. That's that's one that could cost you everything right there career-wise. And you have to ask, what were you thinking? Quick break, we'll come back. If you're on hold, I can get to you. I and Eagle, top of the hour. CBS, he is the brand new voice of the Final Four. And of Turner, we'll dive into some NBA stuff and more with Ian Eagle coming up at four. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, the latest, if there is any latest, regarding Isaiah Rogers and where this whole thing is going. This has been put on, at least nationally, the back burner today because of the merger between the PGA and LIV. Uh, here it's still going locally, but nationally it has died down a great deal. Quick break, we'll come back. Stuff for you to win inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 93.5, 107.5FM. The Ride with JMV. Down the bullish sprints. And. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, JMV, this ISU baseball super regional thing, the conundrum that they have going on over there is something that can only happen to Indiana State and Terre Haute. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that to make fun of the school but when i first heard about this i did kind of think yeah that's about right (laughs) that's great i just want to keep the conversation if those out there that are interested in it i don't want to look insensitive and show a lack of understanding about it because the annual hosting of the special olympics over there you know, that's important to so many people, and I get that. I guess 
the only thing that I'm looking for here, and once we find out whatever Sherrod Clickscales, the director of athletics over there, says coming up at four, is that they exhausted all efforts to maintain the home field advantage in the Super Regional that their record and their their rating and their ranking provided. That's all I'm looking for. Now, we'll find out if we're all on the same page with what what we do here, but that's all I'm looking for is that. Because, again, there's a, an aspect, obviously, that I brought up of, of the sensitivity and the understanding, but there's also an aspect. I sit here every day and we talk about sports, and it stands to reason that that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Losing home field advantage like that with an opportunity in a three-game set to advance to the College World Series, that is a big deal. You know, everybody else is talking about, you know, the the financials for Terra. I'm just I'm talking about the person that I have on in Mitch Hannes and what he and that team have worked for. I want to see them have the best opportunity, the best advantage to reach their goals. I just want to see everything exhausted. Now, we tried absolutely everything, or, you know, the NCAA said, nope, not going to do it. Facilities aren't going to work. You're not going to have enough of this. You're not going to have enough of that. I just don't want to, well, you know, we didn't think we would have enough time. I just want to see every effort exhausted. All right, 239. 1070 is the number before we hit the top of the hour. Jeremiah's up first today. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thanks, JMV, for taking my call. Yeah, uh, just real quick, yeah. I, I kind of shocked that the NCAA can't find some sort of neutral location or even something close enough for ISU. I mean, you Indy just got knocked out of it. Why can't they play there? I I, I don't know the logistics. There's a lot going on there, but that just uh, seems. Yeah, kind of- I mean, I I understand that there are some places that just wouldn't work. I, I right. guess who's the? Could you look up James? Who is the director of collegiate baseball at the NCAA? Because it did sound like yesterday that Mitch Hannes was saying it was up to a committee, and I didn't know if that was the NCAA baseball committee or if that was. You know, a committee over there or in Terre Haute or, you know, the itty bitty, forget that, not that committee. But you know what I mean? I don't know what committee really they were talking about. And I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, and and I, I don't know what would work and I don't know what wouldn't work. I just want to know that they exhausted every avenue to try to get something and find something to work for that team. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then on the other side note, uh, I guess, or the main reason I was calling is, is how is the NFL going to be able to reassure the fan base, the integrity of the sport, if there are going to be multiple individuals implicated on gambling, whether it's their team or not? I think that you're going to start losing credibility with your fan base if you come out with a list of individuals whether or not it was betting on their own team or against their team or whatever, but you're going to have a lot of people start losing faith in the NFL, I would think, if there's, you know, especially if it's anyone that is 
I would say maybe a star or nearly an all-star player caliber, that would be detrimental, I think, to the sport and in any all sports. I, I mean, does this stop at the NFL? I, I, mean, I, would, I would tell you. I would tell you this: what what they have on their side right now is being able having us sit here and say, "Well, that that was just a nub nut move." You know, that guy was just a dumbass. I can't believe that dumbass just did that. What are you doing screwing up your career? You know, that is more on the decision-making of the person. And nobody's really talking about, with any knowledge whatsoever, how that challenges the the you know, or influences the integrity of the game in this case. So they have it on their side right now, but... We'll see further down the road. There may be a tipping point. I don't know if there will be. I don't know when it might be. But I'm not going to dismiss anything at this point, Jeremiah, honestly. Right. right. So. And that's that's kind of one of the concerns also you fall into is um, if this is just a small handset of players, are these individuals that need help in regards to maybe gambling habits that they've gotten into prior to online betting? Has this something that they've they've gotten themselves even further into that may need additional services to try to keep them from falling into the 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 addiction of gambling? I mean, there, there's a lot of facets that are involved here that I think we hopefully will hear some input. It sounds like that they they go above and beyond trying to express. And thank you, Jeremiah, for the call, buddy. I appreciate. That express uh, exactly what you can do, what you can do, and to make everything perfectly clear, sometimes you just can't save decision makers from bad decisions. And this is, in the case of Isaiah Rogers, exactly how that sounds. Ian Eagle, CBS, Turner, other side, Rake Straw Holder, and more coming up. Don't go away. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Latest on Isaiah Rogers, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, 5 o'clock hour. I don't know if there's going to be any more news by the time we get there, but if there is, we'll be all over it. Knuckleheadery it is. Rake Straw is going to join us bottom of the hour. The 38th president of the PGF America, Ted Bishop, outspoken and, well, dropped some knowledge regarding the merger between the Live and PGA Tours earlier today, which is certainly of note and the big story. Nationally, the afternoon, that absolutely, it put, Isaiah Rogers on the back burner nationally, locally not, but nationally it certainly did. If you missed Ted at all, podcast 107.5thefan.com. But joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He is going to become the voice of the Final Four on CBS. CBS, Turner, and so much more. Yes, with the Brooklyn Nets. And just overall, cool dude. And Ian Eagle joins us now. Ian, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, JMV? How you doing, bud? You allowed to get yourself a breather, a little bit of a break, some vacation time <laughs> I'm now? I'm allowed. I'm allowed. I realize that I'm in a pretty good mental space. I was doing errands last week, <laughs> and I had no idea what day it was. That's beautiful. I was like, oh, I've arrived. This is glorious. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in that mode, and I'll probably be in this mode till preseason NFL, and then uh, we'll ramp back up and get to it. Do you sleep in? I do, yes. I enjoy uh, a good night's sleep and then, like, the tack on, lay in your bed, scroll through your phone. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you look up. You're like, wait, it's 940? <laughs> How? 
what have I been doing for the last hour and 58 minutes? Yeah, no, I uh, I dig that because I don't get to do that when we get rolling. And the idea of it just sounds so appealing during what is my off season. So it's been great. I like putting uh, Pluto TV on and the uh, Andy Griffith, <laughs> the Andy Griffith channel. <laughs> And I just let that roll, and sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go, hey, wait a minute, what episode's this? Oh, yeah, Quiet Sam. I like that one. And watch it for about five minutes, fall back asleep, and do the same thing three hours later. That's how I can tell I'm in a good space there. Yeah. Yeah, so here in New Jersey, we get uh, MeTV. Yes, you do. Yeah. And, you know, you pop it on, you have no idea what's going to pop on, but it's in my rotation. If I start going through channels, there's that mental – muscle memory of oh yeah just hit that channel and i could get sucked into a carol burnett show sure you could (laughs) i could i could get a hogan's heroes out of left field you just don't know you have no idea get smart could pop by i might stick with it for 18 minutes so i like those kinds of options during the off season of no script i don't i must say this i'm going to be just completely upfront. i don't really drink during the football and basketball seasons because I'm on flights and sleep is really important. You have to sleep fast, not necessarily get a lot of sleep, but you got to get it done. But then I hit this time of year and I'll just sample it all. Like, yeah. What, what's that? Mixed drink? Yeah. Bring it. Let's try it. What is it? There's some, a berry in there. Sure. Oh, why yeah. Not? Yeah, so I have, been good. I've got to get you. Um, I am with Heaven Hill Distillery, and uh, one of our, our our betting analysts around here is Brent Halverson. I'll have to get uh, a case of Larceny Bourbon sent <laughs> sent New Jersey <laughs> way for you right there. You may not talk to me a year from now. You're like, what happened? I don't know. He went bourbon, and he never came back. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the absolute best. And here's what you do in the summertime, especially now you're chilling and not working. You drop some ginger ale along with a lot of ice get yourself a little okay. uh a yeti thermos put it all together with that larceny bourbon the best summertime drink you've ever had all right i'm writing this down this this sounds like my 2023 new drink try something different that you've never tried before so i got it i like that um are, are you missing it all doing the games because to me and we talked about this about a month or so ago this has been such yeah. an incredible nba postseason and continues to be up until the finals are you missing doing the games yeah i mean there's a part of me that that obviously misses being there misses the action of it misses seeing people because it, it is a fun atmosphere and the way things are set up in in my world you don't know when you're finished. So if there was a game seven, Miami and the Knicks, we were doing it on TNT. So when we finished game five, we did some of the goodbyes, but not completely because we thought there was a chance we would all be back together for a game seven. Now you're watching game six and waiting to see not only the fate of the series, but are we working? Are we back together? So when Miami got it done in game six, it was a tight game. Knicks had chances, uh, It was the Brunson turnover, and certainly he deserves no blame because they're not in that series without him. But the turnover late basically sealed their fate, and then I knew, oh, that's it. It's over just like that. Yeah, It's a thud, and you know that your season is over. But I've been enjoying it from this position, watching the games, taking in the action. The very, to me, entertaining 
recency bias that takes place with each game. After game one, the reaction, ah, Denver, too big, too strong, too talented. Miami can't keep up with them. Miami can't match up with them. And that was the general consensus. And then game two happens, the toughness of the heat and the resiliency, the fourth quarter performance. And now you're hearing a lot of, ah, maybe there's just something with this Miami team. They've just got that, that it factor. So it, it is entertaining to hear all the different takes, all the different narratives. The reality is I think people continue to underestimate Miami and they go with the storyline that they're, not as talented. Oh, they're just not as talented as Boston. They're not as talented. Yes, they are. They just did it in a different way. They've accumulated talent in a different way, and they develop talent in a different way with all of these undrafted guys. Yes, it's not frontline superstars. And I think what we have learned, John, uh, about all this, uh, for those who didn't know it already, Eric Spolstra may be the best coach in the NBA. He's that good. Do you think that we – or NBA fans in general need this Miami team more than we needed the whole big three concept 10 plus years ago? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think that served a purpose at a time when the NBA was absolutely thirsting for LeBron James to fulfill all of the promise that he had and the legendary status that we assumed he could one day achieve. And the only way to do that is you got to win championships that completes the picture. So you look back now with LeBron, with Wade, with Bosch, with the role players that they had, different guys that came in. And sometimes you forget Gary Payton at the end of his career pops in and plays a huge role. Ray Allen, pops in, plays a huge role. Uh, These guys contributed in a major way, although we still focus in on the big three. Where are we today? Players have a lot of power, and they've created that power based on the fact that they can move around, that they can pair off. And with that power comes a lot of responsibility. It can go sideways. And I saw it, obviously, firsthand with the Nets with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden, when it imploded, it really imploded. It has now affected the, I don't want to say legacies, but certainly the personas of some of the players that that I just mentioned. So what are we getting now with this Miami team? We're getting someone that had been overlooked throughout his life, Jimmy Butler, if you want to go back and read about him and research Really incredible that he is here, that he is at the level that he is at, and he is an alpha, a clear alpha that takes a lot on his own shoulders. But it's not just him. And the fact that we're seeing Bam Adebayo really develop into a primetime player, and we're seeing the likes of Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent Duncan Robinson, players that anybody in the league could have had. Kevin Love, who was tossed aside by Cleveland at this stage in his career. Max Struess, another one any team in the league could have had. So to answer your question, JMV, yes. Uh, I do think that maybe fans didn't realize it, but it may have been exactly what they needed just to believe that you can do it the right way in this league and get 
positive results. Ian Eagle joins us of Turner and CBS. I, I do. I think shuffling the deck has gone a long way in helping build more interest in this postseason with what you just accurately described regarding Miami. But, you know, Denver ran rough shot over most teams as it felt this year, certainly out west. But yep. it's not like everybody around was really concentrating, paying attention. There were a lot of other, you know, with the with the Lakers and you know, what was going on in Phoenix. You know, there's a lot of other concentration going on with those other teams than them. So it, it does feel fresh and new with these two teams and you know normally normally the rating system would say well you know what if you don't have these uh, big market type of personalities elite level players mm-hmm. which Jokic is one by the way but I don't know if if they would say he's somebody that's going to be a ratings demon as far as what he's yep. going to bring in but to me it does and to others it does it's fresh and new that's how it feels and it's genuinely been fantastic to watch I agree and I think on the Denver side look They've gone under the radar, there's no doubt. But when you win a championship, and if they win this championship, it changes the way people see you. It changes the way that people talk about you. And it changes the way that you are now viewed throughout the rest of your career. So in this particular case, Denver is the type of team that people may now find an interest in moving forward. There's always a curiosity if a team can sustain, and certainly with Jokic, there is building curiosity because of the way he plays. It's not like everybody else. It is a little bit different. It's a little bit more old school. We've gone away from that, someone that can dominate a game in so many ways, back to the basket, passing out of the post, and do it in the style that he does it is overtly impressive. With that said, I think Denver also benefited a bit, and this happens all the time, and you've talked about over your years doing talk radio, different teams, different individuals that create more of a visceral effect, a chip on their shoulder, even if it's not there. And maybe it was there a bit with Denver, but they created it as if there was more to it. How many times would they say, well, they're saying this, and they're counting, you know, the the idea that the, the national media has been against the Denver Nuggets. They haven't. Maybe it took them a little longer to get there, but this team has a lot of really good stories, a lot of talent, and if they win the championship, they're going to get their roses. The disrespect angle, which happens a lot. Any great athlete will find something, a morsel of disrespect and use it as fuel. And the Nuggets have done that. And by the way, they should. If I'm their head coach, I'm Michael Malone. I'm pounding that point home as often as I can to try to create an edginess to my team that that wants to overcome it. You know, it's funny, too. He he seems like he says stuff uh, really in in public in front of the microphone to the cameras, stuff about his team that, you know, a lot of others would not do. (laughs) You're right. You're right. He's very blunt. And he, he always has been. Uh, I, you know, I obviously covered games of his and interviewed him on a few occasions through the years. He's a really good guy. He's very likable. He's really smart. He's from this area. Went to high school about 15 minutes from where I live at Seton Hall Prep. And I think he's one of those guys. I'm, I'm going to basically parrot what I just said. He has found reasons for people to doubt him and his dad was a coach so he did have 
that that first step into the profession, but it guarantees you nothing. He's proven that he knows what he's doing, and I think he recognizes the dynamic with his team, that they respond to it. Some teams would not, and there are some guys that would never step in front of the microphone and say the things that he said. He knows that his team can handle it, and I'm presuming that he believes it will actually help them. He is uh, Ian Eagle of Turner and CBS, the voice of the Final Four, joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You probably have heard I had mentioned that and teased it on the way in regarding Isaiah Rogers and his situation here with the Colts. I had said this yesterday that I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I'm going to be more surprised if this doesn't happen as often as I believe it's going to start to happen. Would you agree? I would agree, and I think we have to really evaluate the the philosophy in place here, and not to say that uh, the league is trying to draw a very clear line between what you can do and what you can't do, and what seems pretty obvious to me. I'm not someone who gambles. I'm not someone who delves into that world, so I'm never walking a fine line, but I play fantasy football. I've been in the same league since 1991 with the same bunch of guys. And I recognize that you can go down rabbit holes and it's hard to get out. So for a bunch of these young guys that are on their phone all the time, that's the generation that we're dealing with here. Their whole life is on that phone. I can absolutely envision how someone could get into that situation and think maybe for a moment, like, oh, no, this isn't a big deal. Like, I'm just, you know, it's a couple of bucks. I'm just doing this. I'm doing that. And then the realization that you were naive or you didn't fully understand or it was a weak moment. So, look, I'm not making excuses for anybody. I'm just trying to live in the real world and recognize that 23, 24, 25, 26-year-old NFL players make mistakes. And maybe there will be a reevaluation on how this is handled. Maybe it's a warning first time around. Uh, Maybe there is a a different place that we get to as these situations continue to pop up. But I think you're right. It's not the last that we've heard of it. And uh, it's probably going to pop up quite a bit more. The question, as we know, is the bigger name that you are, the more news that it produces. That's how it works. And then you think about it from this standpoint, with a bigger name, or let's just say more names, when do the do, do fans start wondering about the integrity of the game? Yeah. Now, we just view it around here, Ian, as, all right, it's just uh, Isaiah Rogers made knucklehead decisions, all right? And yep. what he has done is he has really foobarred his own career here and maybe likely someplace else, at least for the next year. That's just a knucklehead decision. But what happens if this starts to infiltrate the integrity of the game through the, through the lens of the fans? That's when you're going to have a major issue. There's no doubt about it. And, and look, these things evolve. Uh, I remember very vividly being at CBS and the philosophy was clear. You do not discuss fantasy football on television. You do not incorporate it in your coverage. And then a couple of years later, there's a show and there's a sponsor and there's chatter and there's a pregame hit. So things changed. They did change. Things can change here, but you just nailed it. 
if for one moment you're planting a seed in the consumer's head that the game is not on the up and up, that's when we have a legitimate problem. And going down this road when players are gambling, that's when those seeds of doubt could be planted, that someone could be in a position where they make a really bad decision or they get caught up with the wrong group of people. It's happened, as we know. The NFL is trying to avoid a a mushroom cloud of epic proportions. And by doing what they're doing, they're policing the players by being pretty strong on this front. You know, will it change their actions? Will we see the numbers start to decrease because people within the league are cognizant of the fact that they can't mess around with this? I don't know. But I'm with you on your initial comment. It's not the last of it. There's going to be more before we we get to opening NFL kickoff weekend. Ian Eagles with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. We talked about last time you were on, you're now going to become the uh, voice of the Final Four, which is awesome. So I, I don't, I'm assuming maybe you have at least uh, somewhat of a, a schedule ironed out. Will you take over doing college basketball immediately following your NFL play-by-play duties? How's that going to work? Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, If there are a couple of weekends where I might be able to swing a college game on a Saturday and my NFL game is close by, if it means I get in there with Bill Raftery for a game, an extra game here and there, I think we'll try to pull it off. But I don't think we're going to look at the schedule and change what would have been the assignment on Sunday just to be able to, to get a college basketball game in. So it really is a fluid situation. Obviously, I'll live in that world throughout, but I was already doing that because of my schedule. I was basically jumping in. Anyway, Jim uh, Nance wasn't calling a whole lot of of regular season games, so the last, I'd say, five seasons, ever since Vern uh, retired from doing play-by-play on a week-in, week-out basis, I had stepped in and was doing a lot of games with Bill. So not a whole lot will change for me on the regular season front. Biggest change will be Big Ten tournament as opposed to the Atlantic Ten tournament. That's what I had been calling the last number of years. And then obviously being paired with Bill, Grant, and and Tracy for the NCAA tournament right straight through. So that part of it's going to be fantastic there. Just Terrific people. All three are very close friends. So to work with your friends, to work with people that you like and respect, and then get to do it on the biggest stage, you can't ask for much more than that from um, my position. You, you do that, NFL, as we mentioned, NBA, on Turner. I mean, this is living the dream right here. <laughs> it is. I know. I'm waiting for someone to pinch me, and then uh, I realize I've got bourbon, ginger ale. Yes. In a Yeti, and I'm like, wait, is this real? Am I actually a dentist? What, what do I do for a living? <laughs> no, nah, man, that is awesome. Ian Eagle is with us. And before I let you go, last time we got into this a little bit, so you you went to Syracuse, obviously. You're an alum. Yep. Uh, so you yep. were at the 1987 National Championship game in New Orleans, won by IU on that Keith Smart shot, correct? I was not at the game. I okay. was a freshman in college. I was pledging a fraternity. And, I mean, this is the crazy thing of life. You know, at the time, it's the most important thing in your life is getting into this fraternity and was told you cannot travel. We need you in town. So I have very close friends, six or seven of them from college, 
that went, that rented a Winnebago and drove to New Orleans, and I did not go. I watched the game in Syracuse and felt all the emotion that was happening in New Orleans, the height of sensing that the national championship was going to belong to Syracuse, to the lows of watching Keith Smart hit the shot of his life and Indiana celebrates a national title with Brent Musburger and Billy Packer on the call. Yeah. Was the Derek Coleman miss free throw biggest moment? What do you yes. think the biggest moment was besides Smart and that shot make at the end? Uh, there was, you know, before that, it was a Howard Trish miss free throw. Yeah, so there were yeah. a few miss free throws leading up to it. And then if you want to watch it, you can. You put it on YouTube right now. There was no presence of mine after the miss free throw. To, or after the made shot by Smart to call a timeout. Everyone was looking around. They had a timeout left, and they didn't call it. So a few seconds came off the clock. They could have at least had some look at the horn, and it didn't, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, and then if you remember, end of the first half, Alford started yeah. going off and yeah. making shots. And they had done a really good job in that first half prior against Alford, against Indiana, and had built a lead and looked like the better team. D.C. was dominating on the inside. They looked like the better team. They looked like a championship team. But the Alford shots gave IU life, and then it carried over into the second. It really was a tremendous game. It was highly entertaining, well-played. Syracuse made a bunch of mistakes down the stretch, including – not calling a timeout after the the smart make. Mm, that was a, that was a really an amazing final four too because Syracuse it was a Big East battle with Providence and Billy Donovan right. with Rick Patino as the right. head coach in Del that Ray national Ray semifinal. Well, and, and my favorite yeah. IU game of all time is that national semifinal against UNLV. It's it's my oh. favorite IU game ever. Awesome and look, obviously UNLV. We know what they were all about. And then the next chapter developed with UNLV and Duke and, and their battle. So that was a, a bit of a precursor of, of what was to come. But it was a great time in college basketball. Uh, I think the, the years that you recall based on your age, based on your experience, I think you and I discussed this the last time we chatted, there's a certain catalog that comes along with that. You literally remember where you were yep. during certain moments. And national cha- for some reason, national championships, that's one of those things. It's, whether you're watching by yourself, because sometimes, you know, I know, and you're probably the same as me, sometimes you want to just be alone and, yep. and watch the game and not be in a big crowd and not uh, be at a place where you're not catching the nuances or hearing the broadcast and, or distracted. And then other times, if the teams aren't as as interesting to you, you're like, nah, let's go out or let's go watch it at a bar or watch it at a restaurant. It really depends on so many different factors, but that's one of those. Obviously, it, t- it touched me on a personal level. It was my freshman year. And then you think, oh, but they're so good. They'll get back. They'll be there. No. No, that was it. They uh, they never got to that level again within my tenure there. They eventually won it, of course, with Carmelo Anthony against Kansas, another game that came down to the wire. And uh, that was 
that was a special one for the university, of course. I, I just I think about it in terms you bring up um, you know, the games that you think about forever. You know where you were when that moment occurred, like 1983 and Lorenzo Charles in the putback, or you know 80, 85 with uh, Harold Jensen. Just you know can't miss, Same. and Villanova couldn't miss in that championship game against Georgetown, and you know and obviously 87, like 86. I don't feel the same way. I know Purvis Ellison was, I think, the MVP of that with Louisville winning down in Dallas, 86. I don't have the same feeling in 88 with, you know, Manning and the Miracles winning that. But there are some that stand out. And that's cool about you because now your voice is going to be cataloged forever with many. That's pretty awesome right there. Oh, yeah. So awesome. And uh, beyond anything that that I dreamed of, of course, if – you go into play-by-play, you, you think about, well, how far can I go with this? How far can I take it? But you don't really allow yourself to get to that place because, you know, the odds are are stacked against you. So, so many circumstances have to come into play, the right time, the right place, maintaining the rights. You know, there was a time where it looked like ESPN was going to get it. Uh, they were offering up a lot of money. They certainly had all of the the venues in which to play the games and uh, CBS recognized they had to get a partner and, and that's when Turner got involved and came together in this unprecedented pairing that that made it work so it could have ended right there with uh, a new a new company doing the games and that's part of the luck of the draw of this business so, Ian Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, we'll have to get your address so I can send you some stuff this summer for your Larceny Bourbon and Ginger Ale summertime drinks, okay? Hey, I, I have no background in it, so I'm just following your lead. <laughs> you got it, buddy. We'll stay in touch, too. I appreciate you, Ian. All right, John. You got it, man. It's we'll uh, soon. Ian yeah. Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. One of the best conversations we have on this show is right there. Speaking of which, Sherrod Scales met with the media over in Terre Haute regarding ISU going on the road and not hosting the Super Regional against TCU. I'll explain to you what he said on the other side. Greg Rakestraw still to come and more on Isaiah Rogers in that situation with Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Top of the hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Ian Eagle was really good. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Greg Rakeswell is going to join us in just a second. We'll talk about the merger between LIV and the PGA. We talked to Ted Bishop about that a little bit earlier. That podcast up, 1075thefan.com. All right, this courtesy of Rick Simler, who is the sports director over at WTHI Channel 10 in Terre Haute, where in Terre Haute, A.D. Sherrod Clickscales of ISU had a press conference to explain what happened and why they're not hosting the Super Regional against TCU this weekend. Um, Sherrard said that they put in a bid to host the regional and super regional back on May the 22nd. He then pulled the super regional bid on May the 27th. That's five days later because he did not think ISU could host due to the school's commitment to Special Olympics. Sherrard went on to say that he wished he knew then what he knows that the community would have helped volunteer to host the Super Regional. He wished he'd have known that now. 
That's problematic to say. Sherrard also went on to say the size of the venue of Bob Warren Field was never an issue for Sycamore Baseball hosting a Super Regional. And, quote, I take responsibility for withdrawing ISU from the Super Regional. That's ISU AD Sherrod Clinkscales a little bit earlier today. Let's bring on board now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, Greg Rakestraw, who's been doing golf today. We'll get to that subject in a minute. But what was your thoughts on the way all of this has played out over in Terre Haute regarding the hosting and then not hosting of the Super Regional? Uh, disappointing uh, because it's the first negative that's been associated with ISU baseball all year. So I, I – I hope to goodness they make it to the College World Series for a lot of reasons. If they do, then this will kind of get quietly swept under the rug. I think it is a monumental mistake. I understand, you know, the commitment to Special Olympics, and that is very noble. I understand the limitations um, that ISU has as an athletic office uh, and that what they just went through this past weekend – um, is is something pretty special and unique, but again, I I, I I just don't think you can you can withdraw that bid the way they did that I've now talked about a week ago. There's no way that looks good. So uh, I hope that uh, I hope that for for the Sycamore's sake, for Sherrard's, I like Sherrard a lot. I hope for everybody's sake over there in Terre Haute that they find a way to win two out of three games because if they do. We won't talk about this uh, in in great detail. If they get beat, then maybe we will, and that's a shame because it's a it's a negative on what has been such a positive story for Indiana State University. Well, I asked him to come on today, and he texted me back and said that he was going to let this press conference speak for itself. Um, I wish he would have still called in. I think he should have called. I still think he should call in right now, to be honest with you. Because I still have some more questions that I think need to be answered. I mean, maybe it sounds outrageous, outlandish. And I, I guess when you put in a bid, you can't go someplace else and play, right? There are all these ideas about why couldn't you go here? Why couldn't you go there if it were an acceptable venue to play that super regional, not in Terre Haute, but certainly closer to Indiana State's campus in this case? I, I guess that is was all out of the picture, correct? From what I gather, I have no. Honestly, I have no idea. So that I, I don't either. Me, I don't know if that was asked, right. and I kind of want to know. All right. To me, that would be more of an NCA question. Are you allowed to play games at a neutral site? And to me, because there has been such little history for schools in our state to get to host a regional, let alone a super regional. Like one of the only one of the only answers I can think of is that Purdue in 2012. When they were the Big Ten champs, that was the year before Alexander Field, their old stadium, which was uh, not great, to put, to put it nicely, they hosted a regional at the Steel Yard in Gary. So they hosted at a neutral site. So, you know, it's been done before. I'm not sure if it has been changed from 2012 to 2023. I don't know. Um, again, I, I, I understand all the reasons behind it. I think it's still a lack of planning and something that even if you get few opportunities to do this, you've got to be better prepared when those opportunities come your way. Yeah, I, just, I want to know, too, that they exhausted every opportunity, and I don't know that right now. It just sounds like that they, 
you know, five days after submitting that bid, bailed and thought, yeah, this is going to be way too much. And some had told me that um, President Curtis was the loudest voice of saying there's no way we're going to be able to do all of this. And, you know, if, if that's true, it just kind of it kind of sounds like Major League. You know what I mean? I mean, we're not really working with these guys, these guys that work their ass off, you know, Mitch and this team to get where they are, you know, and get this university more notoriety that we've all been looking for. And I agree with you. This is a massive swing and a miss. Well, what it sounds like is small time. And again, you are trying to prove that you, without having as big of a budget or in as big of a market, or with as large of an alumni base, but this sport has allowed you a chance to compete with those larger schools. And again, of, of the many things that were great about this past weekend in Terre Haute was the fact that Iowa fans spent three days in Terre Haute and North Carolina fans spent three days in Terre Haute. And now you have missed on an opportunity to have a Big 12 program come to your place because your team earned that right for that to be the case. And the fact that you weren't ready for your moment in the spotlight is disappointing. Now, again, Mitch Hannes and the baseball team can bail some of the others out that weren't ready for that moment in the spotlight, and I hope they do. Yeah, I just saw this as well. Rick Simler, somebody we, we know over at Channel 10 in Terre Haute, also had tweeted out, that Sherrard said that had he known now, uh, back on, I guess, what, the 27th is what I said a little bit earlier, then he would not have pulled it, which is not a good answer. <laughs> not a good I, answer appreciate, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, not a good look. That is yep. not, a good, not a good answer whatsoever. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, ultimately, you know, Mitch can, and his team can, you know, wipe the slate clean here. But if they have close games and such, right. and that is going to be incredibly problematic right there. It just is. And, that, and, and, and again, I'll, I'll go back to what I said big picture. I, I hope this is not the negative stain on what has been such a wonderful story. Agreed. Because let, let's face it, I, I'm, I'm not an alum you are. I spent a good amount of time on the program. I know so many people like John Sherman, like Luke Martin, even though he's not associated with the program anymore. You know, I, I consider Ace Hunt a part of this over in Terre Haute. I, I spent parts of three three summers I was in high school. I spent parts of those summers in Terre Haute. I'm not an alum, but I have a passion for that place. And having spent so much time at the low to mid-major level of Division One athletics, again, this, this is a rare chance for you to be able to dictate on your terms, hey, you're coming to our place. Uh, and so I, I, I hate that. And, again, I, I think the baseball story has been so, so good for that university because I think Indiana State does a lot of things right, but yet enrollment is down. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. market. It's an affordable education. There are very valuable degrees there. This is a chance for the baseball program to kind of lift everybody up. Correct. I just hope it continues. Well, I mean, you know, money, you know, athletic department money, Greg, and I think the enrollment is at a level now that maybe it was at when it was before it was called Indiana State, when it was the Indiana Teachers College. And that's 
that's not good. And, and, and you're right about the entire thing. And I, I, I believe it. I mean, I don't go over there and watch a lot of games, but I always have my finger on the pulse of stuff. And I love it. I try to promote it in this market as much as possible because I just think it's needed. And I love my time over there. And I want to share that with people. And I hope to at some point persuade those that go, yeah, you know what, Terre Haute, I don't want to go over there, to maybe have some interest in going over there, whether it's, you know, go over there to go to school for the academics or go over there and play sports, whatever the case might be. I endlessly promote it and I just hate the look of all this, especially in a season in which I think you accurately bring up in detail has been so spectacular for this baseball team. It just seems like that baseball team and everybody around there deserves a little bit more than what they're getting right here. Correct. And hopefully they can, again, they can atone for a misstep. They had that opportunity this weekend. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, you're out crooked stick. You and Lance Ringler. How is the Ringler doing? with the color Ringler, commentary today. Ringler is phenomenal. So there are, there are many in your neck of the woods and throughout the state of Indiana that know Lance as uh, an outstanding high school basketball referee. Yes. Lance is also the preeminent college golf writer in the country. Uh, Lance is based in the Bloomington area down in Ellisville. So Lance, for a second year in a row, has joined me on the coverage of the Die Junior Invitational. So these are 36 of the top um, junior golf players in the country, and there were some international players in the field as well. Um, most of the players that are seniors, if not juniors, have already verbal to play. Uh, there were three girls from Indiana, all local. One boy from Indiana, the defending IHSA state champion, and, and Aiden Gutierrez from Valparaiso. He actually is playing in this event in between the sectional and regional rounds of the tournament. Um, he so he'll go back to play the regional up in uh, up uh, in Northwest Indiana on Thursday. The uh, girls' winner uh, was from Naples, Florida. Boys' winners from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. And uh, I just wrapped up about uh, six hours of live golf with one commercial break in six hours. That's not much. That's a lot of talking. Um, but hey. As you know, Ring, Ringler talks a lot. <laughs> yes, he and does. Golf. I can, I just kind of lay out and let the sounds of nature. You know, uh, dominate the broadcast. Well, you know, Ringler's wife is and has been a fantastic golfer. How good of a golfer is Ringler? Can you just talk it? Not as good as his wife. His wife would kick his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm sure he would kick mine. uh, As I posted on Facebook yesterday, my golf swing is awful. My golf voice is beautiful. And thankfully, I was working on the golf voice and not the swing today. Uh, You were right about that, too. He is is known as a fantastic high school official. And we we need more of the Lance Ringlers, who is top-notch. And also is pretty dedicated. You you see him yep. officiating everywhere, Greg. He he said he's already booked sixty games for this coming year. And a mutual friend of ours, I'm going to publicize this story now, and we're going to spread this to others that do the written word um, as as we get closer to it. But he's got a buddy named Casey Gaynor that has done games for a long time in this state. He will actually have done a game in every gym in the state with a game he does on January the 2nd. In other words, he has basically done a game where he has worked for all 400 and I think it's now 10 member institutions. He'll complete that circuit coming up this January. Mm. 
That is pretty awesome. Hey, before I let you go, too, what did you think about that merger? I know you were doing other things today, and that news was breaking as you you and Lance were, were calling the action at Crooked Stick. What do you think about the merger today? Because, as you know, Ted Bishop was on earlier and had some things to say about it, as you probably would anticipate. What do you yeah. think about it? Ted is not a shrinking violet, that's for sure, right. so that doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm a little surprised that, that Liv, I wouldn't say Liv caved, um, but that because the pockets are so deep for that organization that they didn't mind just continuously throwing money at it uh, and, and, and trying to win the battle that direction. Um, I'm a little surprised the PGA, I wouldn't say PGA, I don't know the details, so I wouldn't say the PGA Tour caved, but what it, the, here, here, here's the no-doubt winner in this, in this situation, fans. You're going to see Brooks Kepka play more events. You're going to see Bryson DeChambeau play more events. You're going to see Phil Mickelson play more events. And that's a good thing for everybody involved. So, you know, when this whole thing went down, um, I, I didn't find myself rooting for the PGA Tour and how they carry themselves, even though the PGA Tour was in the right. Um, and so I really don't care, you know, who has more egg on their face, whether it's Live, PGA, you know, the old European Tour, it's not the DP World Tour. Don't care about all that. The fans won today because now you will see all the top players back together more often, and that's good for everybody involved. Greg Rakestraw is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So will Isaiah Rogers be on this roster if we're talking at about this time next week? I highly doubt it. Um, if, if you are guilty of betting on your own team, um, it, it might be a very, very long suspension for him. Yeah, well, and I think he's got one year left on a deal, so you might as well go ahead and punt. And it's just, it's amazing on, on how knuckleheaded you are to completely sideswipe your career in this fashion. On what what has at least have been reported, maybe there's going to end up being more twenty five to fifty dollar parlay bets. It's absolutely incredible. There are certain things you cannot do. And that is one of the do not pass go rules that you are instructed about as a rookie in the league and then reminded you cannot bet on the sport on which you are playing. Period. End of sentence. Cannot do it. No wiggle rooms, no no wiggle room, no exceptions, nothing. Can't do it. And again, you are throwing away what is a promising career. Greg, I appreciate you adjusting a little bit today, man. And uh, if you see Lance again soon, tell him we said hello. Will do, buddy. Thank you. It's uh, Greg Rakes. Lance Ringler is an Ellettsville, Indiana legend. Edgewood High School. Good dude. Really good dude. Hey, quick break and we'll come back. I, I mentioned this from Rick Simler of Channel 10 over in Terre Haute. Had just tweeted this. Head coach Mitch Hannes, who was on the show yesterday, and you can kind of tell when I first asked him, it was at 5.30, so he had just clearly informed his team of this, said the Sycamore baseball team found out yesterday they weren't hosting the Super Regional. Hannes told players once they leave the locker room, it's over and they move on. That's exactly what he told us yesterday. As that saga over there well, at least continues for some, but for the baseball team, the focus is on TCU. I think 5 o'clock is their first game coming up in Fort Worth on Friday. Quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder, the latest on Isaiah Rogers, ESPN.com, and more. That's at the top of the hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of Damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
Ted Bishop a little bit earlier with the merger between LIV, that's Live Golf and the PGA, which has shocked shocked most, dismayed many earlier today. The 38th PGA of America president joined us earlier to hash all that out. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Ian Eagle, if you missed the now future Final Four voice of CBS, of Turner, the NFL, the NBA, he was outstanding as always. I love the conversation with Ian Eagle, that podcast 107.5thefan.com as well. And Greg Raystraw helping us kind of sort out a lot of things, uh, including uh, what um, what looks to be just an absolute ISU decision-making fiasco. It's just what it looks like regarding the Super Regional. I mean, just, I don't know how else to put it. And I don't want to put it that way. And Greg was right. Greg was right in saying that you could make up for that by advancing to the College World Series in Omaha, but you give yourself such a greater chance in having the home field advantage and you just give it away like that. Yeah. That's fiasco worthy, no doubt. Will writes this, so how do you have three teams this past weekend, but you can't host one team this weekend? Well, they have the, the their annual Special Olympics event in town, um, and that with you know hotel rooms and you know space and all that was the question. But everybody I've talked to over there said that that, that was not the issue, and certainly Bob Warren Field is not the issue either. Man. That, that is tough right there. That is a tough decision. I think really, and this is what burns more than anything else, and this is something that I always try to promote because I love that university and I love Terre Haute, and I always try to promote it to the best of my ability. But this decision and having it play out this way does make it small time. It looks small time. And they don't want to look that way. They want the look of hosting the regional itself and how great it looked on TV. And then your team going out and winning it. And this looks small time. That's unfortunate. All right, quick break and we'll come back. Stephen Holder and the latest on Isaiah Rogers, which there is nothing new, but we'll dive into uh, the latest if there is any from ESPN.com. Stephen Holder is going to join us. All right, number nine at 239-1070 right now. Laughing Matters. Laughing Matters show features Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. Number nine at 239-1070 can check out Jeff Foxworthy on us. Laughing Matters show, Jeff Foxworthy, number nine at 239-1070. You're a winner. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Ted Bishop, the 38th president of the PGA of America, to explain the merger. It's never going to be enough. Bud Fox is right on target when he was expressing that back in 1988 to Gordon Gecko. Never going to be enough. Ted was really good. That podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Ian Eagle of Turner, CBS, uh, doing the NBA. Going to be the voice of the Final Four moving forward here. The NFL as well. He was really good. 
and Greg Rakestraw on a lot of things, including uh, what was a, in, in baseball terms here, just an absolute huge swing and a miss regarding Indiana State and not hosting a super regional for a baseball team that has worked their ass off to get to where they are right now. And it does. It makes it look small time. Uh, Greg Rakestraw, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Jim McCann from Southern California did write this. I love that Mitch Hannes, the head coach of Indiana State, said on your show yesterday that his team has prepared all year to win big games on the road. That's great leadership. Good luck to his team with this tough task ahead. TCU, by the way, seems to be the hottest team offensively in college baseball, maybe even overall. But man, just a not enough quality answers. And I like Sherrod a great deal, too. And you know how much I love Indiana State. Sherrod Klinkscale is the AD over there. I like him a great deal. But, yeah, not good enough answers today. Just not. In right, meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, as we continue to search for even more answers revolving around the allegations, the ownership of betting of Isaiah Rogers, defensive back of the Colts, and to help us explain that even more in depth from ESPN.com, it is Stephen Holder. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, sir? Well, good. Uh, just having to rip a little bit on my alma mater, which stings a little bit, and I hate to have to do it. And I'm, I'm trying yeah. at the same time trying not to, you know, trying not to crap on, you know, what is just a, a great story with a baseball team that deserves nothing but love right now, and then yeah, having to yeah. to bring up that that fiasco. Um, unfortunately, um, over there for this coming weekend in that matchup with TCU is incredibly unfortunate. Much like this with Isaiah Rogers. For what we know right now, this is just an incredibly knuckleheaded decision that is likely to cost him certainly his career here in Indy, but jeopardizing his career moving forward. Is that still what we know to this point? Um, I, I think you have to look at this from the perspective of of everything for Isaiah Rogers being in jeopardy. And you know, everything that he has, has worked for, everything that he has built – Clearly, the the NFL still has to finish its investigation. So I'll be I'll be clear about that part. You know, this isn't over, but but the facts that we were able to dig up, uh, my colleague and I, they're they're pretty they're pretty damning if they are proven to be true, and it, it's going to be tough to come back from. I think the the precedent has been set for the NFL. If you bet on your team, well, frankly, if you bet on football, you're getting a year if they can establish that. And then if you bet on your team, then that's, you know, to, to use kind of a, a legal phrase, it's almost like an aggravating factor, you know. And and I think at that point, everything's on the table. So it's unfortunate, and I hate to see it. I I didn't enjoy writing that story. I like Isaiah. Uh, he's, a, he's a good player, a good, kind of good human being with a great demeanor and, and had a, a bright future as a player. But, uh, yeah, it's – all of it's potentially in jeopardy now. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us. So when did the Colts find out compared to when Isaiah Rogers knew that he was under investigation? Okay, great question. So Isaiah Rogers, I don't know when he found out specifically, 
But he has known, as far as I can tell, he has had knowledge of this investigation for a while. The Colts, based on everything that I was told, and I, I have some specifics on this, the Colts, from everything I was told, they're just learning about this now. As a matter of fact, it, it appears they just learned yesterday. So make of that what you will, but that's the timelines. Those are the two timelines as I understand them. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good at all. <laughs> like, yeah. what, like you know, what do we do? We and do and, it. and, it wouldn't, and they, they may not have found out even when they did had the leak not happened. And the leak did not come from the NFL, as best as I can tell. Uh, it, it appears the leak came from from gambling sources or you know gaming sources if you will from that arena and not from the nfl sources my nfl sources didn't have a whole lot of information on this because they weren't in the know so i i wonder had it not come out yesterday when in fact the colts would have gained knowledge of this it's very interesting you know to think about you know they they may still have been in the dark yeah, that's not good whatsoever. What has been reported um, is bad enough. Do you think that maybe it goes much deeper than what we have heard so far? Is it pretty much? I'm just I mean, your opinion more than what you know right now. Is it kind of what has been reported, or might it go more deeper than what we have known? Well, what I can say is that it is possible that there's more we don't know. I, I would not sit here and tell you that we have all the information. I don't know that that's true. Now, I, can't also, I, I also cannot say for sure that there is more, but, but I, I, I'm not telling you that we heard everything. I mean, we, we ascertained the information that was available to us. Whether there's more, I can't speak to that. It, it's totally possible. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I can't imagine that the Colts, uh, upon learning about this yesterday and then noting certainly that Isaiah had knowledge of it prior to, uh, that's probably not going to help the situation at all for Isaiah. If it uh, can be, if there is any, you know, repairable type of situation here, that's certainly not going to help. That sounds bad. Yeah, I, I always wonder in these cases, like, is there any – you know, responsibility. <clears throat> excuse me. Any responsibility on the on the player's part. You know, to to inform the team. I, I mean, I don't know. There, there's not. You know, by any rule, there's not. There's not necessarily a responsibility. But but clearly, it impacts the team as well. So, and I can also understand the conflicting feelings, right? I mean, you know what it means to your career if this thing goes in in a negative direction. Um, you're probably wanting to to put off any ramifications as long as possible. So, and and who knows? I mean, I don't know how agents tell them to handle these things. I don't know what the expectations are. I don't know, uh, but but I do know uh, from every indication, Isaiah Rogers has known for some time. Uh, but the but the the Colts are just now learning about it. Well, and we're all going to have to start really educating ourselves on this because this is by far not going to be the last time we'll be dealing with something like this. We all know that. Yeah. yeah. And and here's the thing. Now, one one cold source I did talk to, there was a lot of frustration with this person because, and I asked, I asked this source, you know, is there some, you know, sort of 
uncertainty about, you know, guys' understanding of the rules. You know, are, these guys are young. The betting, uh, online online gaming is, is new in, in many cases for most of us. You know, is there any misunderstanding about this? And this person was not having it, this source. He said, and he said no, there's no excuse. They know. And if they don't know, they should know. And, it, and look, if you walk into the Colts locker room, there is signage, you know, talking about betting. I know that they they bring in uh, speakers to talk to them, both from the league and from independent um, sources as well, to talk to them about, you know, the, the gaming and what is and isn't allowed. Uh, you know, they understand. They should at least understand. I know that there was some there was some talk coming out of Detroit from those players uh, that, that they had a misunderstanding about the rules in some of those cases. You, know, you might recall recently they had a big dust up there. They had uh, five players who got caught up in a, an investigation. But, but that is not a defense as far, the, as far as the NFL is concerned. That's not a defense. They don't want to hear we didn't know. They, they don't care. They don't, whether it's true or not, they don't care. So Stephen Older, who joins us, so will that make the Colts rethink how they address and educate their team in the future, having this happen? Well, I I think that is a question that Shane Steichen is going to have to answer tomorrow. You know, when they have have OTAs tomorrow, well, they have them every day, but uh, the the media is present tomorrow. And I think that's going to have to be one of the questions he hopefully addresses. You know, he's not one to just kind of tackle the big questions very often, but I think this is one that that he's going to have to not dodge. I think he's going to have to address this head on. And I think that is something the organization should be asking themselves. There should be no doubt among your players. And, and if they do it in spite of that, then that's on them. But it, there shouldn't be any doubt um, in, in your locker room what is and is not allowed. And so if, if Isaiah Rodgers went out on a limb – and did this despite knowing, you know, I know it's alleged, but we'll, so we'll talk about it in that respect. If he allegedly did this um, despite having full knowledge of, of it not being allowed, then that's on him. But it, there should be no misunderstanding, at least from the communication standpoint. You mentioned that Shane Steichen's going to meet with you guys coming up tomorrow out at OTAs. That has been scheduled I'm assuming that Chris will not be out there. That is not scheduled. But I would ask you this. Should he be? Should he be out there? Should he be front and center and maybe dealing with these questions given the circumstances here? Um, I I get the question, and, and I don't disagree. Um, I, I would say the caveat is that the investigation is still ongoing. So that is probably going to um, – motivate him to, to at least wait for the outcome is my guess you know i i do think this is a i think this goes beyond a, a coach level matter i do agree I, yeah that's that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking right here yeah. too and even yeah. even yeah, if he if, even if there are places at some point yeah. yeah well even if yeah. if he's you know clearly can't go you know you know to where people want him to go in answering questions because of the ongoing investigation i mean he he can maneuver in and out i'm assuming in a much better way than shane steichen can for you guys and for everybody really yeah i mean he's 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 better equipped to do it he's better at it um 
I think, you know, we would get more information or at least more feedback, I, I think, from Chris Ballard. So we'll see. We'll see. It's a, it's a fair question. Um, like I said, I do think for right now the Colts will probably fall back on on it being an, an open investigation, so maybe not yeah. quite put Chris Ballard out there right now. But I do think at some point, if and when this thing comes to a head and there's a resolution – I think that's a fair expectation at that point that maybe we hear from the general manager. And and the reason why I bring that up is, and and nothing against Shane Steichen, but I I think Chris would be better prepared to to not to answer the questions um, that that are being asked about this in a way where he can't answer them as opposed to the head coach in doing so. I would agree with you. There are things that he's not going to be able to go. I just think this is probably, this falls upon, I think, the shoulders of the the general manager probably to take a question or two about that tomorrow and and let the head coach concentrate on OTA and player stuff. That's just my thought. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more in the domain yeah, of, right. of, of the team management rather than, than coaching. I don't know how much coaches talk about this stuff. I, I imagine they, they have addressed it some fashion but but it's i don't think it's a, a primary focus either would, would this at all lead you to believe are we naive if we think and i know the report had no other cults involved but are we naive to believe that this isn't going on with others and you know certainly in other teams but might be going on with others within the team are we naive or is that just yeah. what's going on I would say that I, I doubt that every player that's committed a violation has been caught. <laughs> okay. I mean, the, it's just too accessible for, for that to be true, in my view. I'm talking about, you know, online gambling. It's just mobile gambling, whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't know all the vernacular, but it's just too accessible, you know? I mean, it's for us to sit here and, and really assume with a straight face that, that there are not other guys. And I don't even mean just Colts. I mean just in general, around the league, you know. Uh, there have been quite a few guys caught up lately, but is that the is that the full accounting? I doubt it. Uh, so here's the thing. I was asked this on another interview earlier, and, and I'll say it here. I think if you're the NFL, you have to kind of decide now, do you have to just kind of take a zero-tolerance approach to this? I'm not advocating for it. I have no problem with gambling in and of itself, but I think if you're the NFL, you know, particularly when there's an allegation of a player betting, um, you know, on games that involve his team, now you're getting into an area where, you know, the fundamental bedrock of your league, you know, becomes under scrutiny. And I'm talking about competitive balance or not competitive balance. Oh, the, the integrity of the game. The integrity, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I know a lot of people may may say that's unfair. Maybe they they shouldn't be so strict, but if I don't give a damn about fair, okay, this is <laughs> this is too important for them, right? So, I I'm just telling you, I, I think they have to think about everything there. They're going to have to reevaluate everything between what happened in Detroit. There was also a Washington player, and then now what's alleged to have happened here. I, I just think there's so much smoke that they got to get ahead of this because I don't think they have a handle on it. So Stephen Holder on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pipeline. I want to move away to that and get to the signing of Rashard Perryman. 
I don't like to use this cliche very often because it wears me out. The kicking of the tires, kicking the tires, which if there was ever a definition of that, that's exactly what the Colts are doing right now. I guess the question I would have, why Perriman? Why does that make sense now more than it has in the past? I'm just kind of curious. What What is different? What might they feel is different about him in not producing and not being the player as a first-round pick formerly that he was living up to be here? Why did they feel it was different right now? Why did they feel it necessary or at least felt compelled to take a chance on him now? I, I think it's a great question. I don't have a great answer. I mean, I – I think when you talk about kicking the tires, for me, that's exactly what this is. I think the question is, are they kicking the tires on, you know, uh, an 84 Regal? Or are they kicking the tires, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, say a Toyota with, with like, you know, 20,000 miles? You know, I, I don't. <laughs> I, would, I think I would dig on an 84 Buick Regal, to be honest with you. So. Actually, the 84 Regal is probably not terrible. That's, that's a bad example. That's, depending on the condition, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, you could get some money for that. But, you know, think you know, think of a, a jalopy versus, a, you know, um, a, a mid-sized sedan with, you know, with 25,000 miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's what we're talking about here. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't think it – I don't think it necessarily changes the calculus at wide receiver really at all for me. Uh, I think for Broussard Perriman, the first order of business for him is the roster, and then we'll see what happens from there. That's where I think he's at. Yeah. What do you have? Nine receptions a year ago. Yeah. So. And I, I'm pretty sure that was after, like, everybody got hurt. I think it was, so. too, yeah. It was. Yeah. It yeah. just. It, it just. Uh, I. I just kind of wondered why this was different. I'm, I'm sure that like Chris Ballard's out there listening, saying, "Hey, numb nuts, all you ever do is scream about me signing a wide receiver, and I do, and you're wondering why I did it." So I. I completely understand that angle too, but it just. I was just kind of curious why him as opposed to either others now or others in the past. I just. I'm kind of curious. No, I, I think it's a fair question, and and as I said, I. I don't have like a great answer for it. I was, I shrugged. That was my reaction when they made this move. I, I shrugged and was kind of like, okay, uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> that was my reaction. I, I mean, frankly, look, I, I think I like what they have at the top end. Look, they don't have, they don't, they don't have a, a truly elite receiver. And, and when I say elite, you know, we're talking about the cream of the crop. They do, they do not have that, right? And that's fine, whatever. We we know that. But I, I think I like what they have in Michael Pittman, you know, Alec Pierce. I like Josh Downs. I think he's an upgrade possibly over Isaiah McKenzie as a slot. So I think that's a nice little battle there to watch in training camp. Um, you know, we'll see after that. You know, what are we talking about? Aston Doolin, I guess, and the likes of him. So, I mean, it's an adequate group. I, I think the question is going to be for me, uh, how much better does a does a change at quarterback make Pierce and make even Pittman? I think Pierce has the chance for the biggest jump because now you have a quarterback that suits his game. And his game, talking about Pierce, his game is get down the field and and go up and get the football. Well, that should be a perfect fit for 
for the quarterback that they have now, right, and Anthony Richardson. So theoretically, that makes a lot of sense. I think with Pittman, uh, if the running game gets a little kick in the pants, uh, he's going to maybe get better matchups and, and be able to, to have some run after the catch. I think he could be more effective theoretically as well. Um, but they're going to have to still do it by committee. I don't think they're going to have – you know, just a, a dominant receiver who, who you just can't stop. I, I think it's still a little bit by committee at wide receiver for them. All right, wide wide receiver, quarterback wise. I, I don't know how much you guys have seen, and you know, obviously we've seen the occasional video when you guys are allowed to to be out there and and post it, for example, on Twitter. But um, any thoughts at all? redeemable here regarding Anthony Richardson and what you have seen out there live so far? Well, I would say this. I I think the live arm is going to make a difference. I I do think that for all of his inaccuracy that's talked about, and it's fair, it's it's totally fair, but for all of his inaccuracy and the conversation around that, uh, you did not see him throw a lot of interceptions in college, which I thought was notable. And and one of the reasons I think for that is he doesn't make, like, terrible decisions. So that's one. And then you have the reality is that, you know, he doesn't throw lollipop balls, okay? That ball's coming, and it's going to who it's meant for. And so if you're a defender, you bet you're going to have to have, you're going to have to have a heck of a jump on the ball because that ball's coming in hot. So you know, maybe that's not the greatest thing if you're on, on the side of the – you know, the side of the receiver who's catching that football <laughs> and you've got to snatch that thing. But, but I, I do think, you know, when you've got, you know, Matt Ryan toward the end of last year, for example, I mean, I, I don't know if the shoulder injury had any effect on this or not, but you know, the, the zip wasn't there and that makes it easier for defenders. There's no doubt about it. So, anyway, I don't know if that answers the question. Oh, yeah, it makes it, I think it makes it easier for his offensive line, too, if if, if yeah. Shane Steichen yeah. is what people believe he is to be. Uh, I think it makes that offensive line well, – it has to be better than one it does a year ago. And I, I think, Stephen, yeah. they're, they're counting on that to a degree, right? Because it's not like that yeah. there's been major moves here. You're talking about basically the same thing other than trying to reestablish who's going to play right guard. They're running it back. They're running it back. And – I think we can we can certainly ask a lot of questions about that, but but there's no doubt about it. They are they they're saying what what I think they're saying, whether intentionally or not, is they are saying we put a lot of last year's problems on the quarterback. Now I don't think it, it was completely on the quarterback. I mean, I saw the left tackle get get destroyed many times. I think I like Bernard Raymond. I'm just saying, you know, I, we saw what happened there. We saw what happened at, at right guard. We saw Quentin Nelson have some terrible snaps last year, right? We saw all that. All that happened. And I think a lot of it was independent of the quarterback. The quarterbacks didn't help, let's be clear. But uh, they are, by their actions, the Colts are saying, you know, we think a lot of that was, was on the quarterback's shoulders. So we'll see if they're right. It's uh, Stephen Older of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All right, well, we'll see what happens. You guys will have some questions at the new head coach coming up tomorrow. I'm sure that's exactly what he wanted to do is answer those questions. Oh, he wants to be he wants to be five words in in a sentence and out. And I don't know if he's going to have oh, yeah. going to have that option coming up tomorrow. You know, this this is the thing. This is the job, man. And and I think 
you know, particularly young head coaches who have not done this job before, you know, when you're the coordinator, no one asks you about the off the field problems. No one asks you about, you know, the roster or roster moves and things like that. No one asks you about that. You know, when you're, when you're the offensive coordinator, when you're the head coach, you get all of those questions. So, all right, you know, you got to put your big boy pants on because it's different, you know. But I look, he's a smart guy. He's no he's no fool or anything. He'll figure it out. But I but I do think there's an adjustment there that first-time head coaches are sometimes not particularly equipped for at least initially. So it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, it's going to be the first time because you guys, I and others have described him as being quote all ball. This is going to be yeah. the first time he hasn't been all ball and this is not quite an a subject in which you ease into. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be yeah. a bumpy ride. <laughs> It ain't going to be the last time. Look, I mean, no. someone's going to get arrested. Someone's going to do something dumb or someone's going to do something on social media that causes a distraction, whatever, right? I mean, it, these things are going to happen. That's just what it is. You got 53 grown men, and there are going to be issues from time to time. So you can't dodge all of them. You're going to have to take some of them on. So I think this is one of those. Well, Stephen Holder there of ESPN.com with the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. I appreciate you, man. Have a great day. All right, brother. See you. Stephen Holder has a lot there. It has been all ball so far for Shane Steichen, and he's going to have to deal with uh, this uh, Isaiah Rogers knuckleheadery coming up tomorrow. Should be good. Yeah, a lot of you are getting back to me on what we were talking about with Greg regarding Indiana State. I'll double back to that coming up in just a minute, too. And the merger between the Live and the PGA – through the lens of one Ted Bishop, the 38th president of the PGA of America, joined us earlier. That was really good if you missed it. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. And many of you are suggesting one of your favorite conversations on this show has been established, and that is Ian Eagle, who made an appearance again today and was absolutely outstanding. That podcast at 107.5thefan.com as well. 239-1070. Me and you with some calls the rest of the way. I do have time for you. And 50 Cent tickets we'll give away before the top of the hour here at six o'clock Trackside's coming at you at seven a sure a recap of detroit the toilet this past weekend with indycar up there that's coming at you Trackside at seven o'clock here on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan the ride with jmv and 107.5. The Fan. I want to give a shout-out to CG. CG, uh, their coaching staff put on a nice little basketball camp today. I was actually um, over there for a little bit, and um, I thought that was really good. Uh, Coaches, well done down there for that, too. And um, I think there's one in uh, Franklin College. It's a one-dayer coming up on Sunday. And um, my good friend Jesse Darmelio, who is the uh, coach down at Franklin College for the women's program. Well done. Lots of camps going on right now. Lots of fun. You know, not one time did I go away for a camp, basketball or otherwise. I regret that. I want to go through life with no regrets. That's one that I have. Uh, the shooting camp over at Earlham, the Dick Baumgartner shooting camp, is one 
I backed out of two in my life. That was one, the Dick Baumgartner shooting camp. That would have been in either 82 or 83. And that's notable because my friends all came back from Eastern Green. They all came back with a bootleg tape from a band from Milwaukee. It was a bootleg tape. There was no album or anything like that. It was kind of a bootleg. It was on a TDK. And it was music from, can anybody guess who it might be during that time frame? The first time I ever heard, and I guess anybody heard, the Violet Femmes. And certainly not a lot of Violent Femmes music made it down to Greene County. So that was found at the Dick Baumgartner shooting camp. I think it was either 82 or 83. And the other one was the, uh, I always talk about this, the baseball camp, the hitting camp that George Brett put on in Braggadocio, Missouri. And that would have been back in 81 and in 82. Of course, his hitting instructor, his hitting coach, when he was trying to track down 400 back in 1980, was notably Charlie Lau. Charlie Lau is actually the hitting instructor of Matthew Broderick in the film The Return of Max Dugan or Max Dugan Returns with Jason Robards and, uh, and Matthew Broderick. And if you can teach Matthew Broderick to hit baseballs, you can teach anybody. And, and Charlie Lau was really definitive in helping George Brett with his stroke. And obviously, in history, George Brett goes down baseball-wise as one of the greatest to ever swing a bat. I was all set to go to Braggadocio, which is in the tip, that little tip that hangs down in Missouri and uh, bailed at the last minute. Regrets. I don't want regrets. Those are two. I think Indiana State's going to regret this a great deal, and I hate it. I hate it because I actually asked advice on my way in today. I said, you know, I don't want to completely crap on this because this baseball team and Mitch Hannis deserves better. They deserve more. I don't really want to make it about what Indiana State, you know, beyond the baseball team didn't do. Unfortunately, it has kind of spiraled into that. And I mentioned earlier that I don't want any regrets. I hope this is not going to be an incredible regret of Sherrod Clink scales. And if President Curtis over there had, you know, a louder voice even in this, uh, Sherrod Clink scales, he's the one that owned it a little bit earlier today. But hopefully there's not going to be regrets. Unfortunately, it's tough to feel that there's not going to be out of this. When you have that opportunity to host a super regional, if you're Indiana State, and you don't go by all means necessary to make it happen with regards to whatever is going on, you come off a small time. That's unfortunate. Baseball team can make up for it on the road in Fort Worth beginning on Friday. Five o'clock on Friday, by the way, game one. But that's going to be a tough one to come back from right there. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. It's uh, Kent up next. Hello, Kent. How are you? Hey, how you doing, JMV? I am great. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was down there this weekend to help televise the games at Indiana State, and it was a great scene, I will say that. And uh, I'm 
it, it is. I feel bad for those guys. The fact that they're not going to get to host this, because uh, I, I have done. Uh, I did do one super regional down in Louisville a couple years ago, and, and the one advantage I guess is the fact that you know they don't have to worry about playing two games in one day yeah. if they if they run into that situation or something. But uh, oh, and the other thing I remember you ask about if they get a home team all the time. The way I think it's decided is each team gets home home field advantage once, and then I think after the second game, if there's not a determined winner, they do a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I, I believe in that uh, that Iowa game. I think Indiana State on Sunday they they were the away the team, right? Team. Yeah, yeah, they, they let off. Yeah, even though they stayed in their own dugout. Right, but, right. right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's. Uh, th- that is just a shame. So, uh, I was I was actually kind of hoping they would get the super regional back here because thinking maybe I might get to work it. But yeah, uh, yeah, that would be but, that would be something. I just um, again the baseball team can make up for all this. People will forget about this if they go to Omaha, but this is going to be a t- if they don't. This is going to be a tough one right here. Yeah, and uh, and no one Texas Christian went. To, I think they were there in 2016 in Omaha, if I remember right. So they have been there and done that. No, so. they, and this team is on fire offensively right now. They dismantled the three seed Arkansas. I mean, yeah. offensively on fire. Got a question for you though. Yeah. Did you watch the last game, or you watched the the championship game, so to speak? Right. What did you think of Pottinger's fake uh, catch at the wall? Yeah, how about that? Yeah. <laughs> A little deep move right there, huh? I, yeah. I've, yeah, I've never seen some. Uh, I mean, I, I guess like that. I guess that's just having fun. <laughs> yeah, but well, the, I mean, he looked like he did, and then he didn't. So yeah. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he's made uh, he's made plays out there beyond that, though. There's no. Oh question. yeah, I think yeah. he already. I think he had two in right. the previous two games. He did. So, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great weekend down there. I my first thought was that they might be in trouble because of not enough room. Because I I think the the thing they said it was like it was uh, capacity was like 2,053, 2,353, which is what's one that on the uh, box scores and stuff. But uh, and I assume I didn't know if they even counted walk up or whatever. So and there wouldn't have been any room to put any more either any more seats either. That's the trouble. So yeah, but they brought in anyways. But anyway. I, I think, well, I mean, I know what Sherard said earlier today, and I, I mean, I know he's being transparent and honest, but it's not a good look when you say, no. if I would have known the community response for help would have been at this level, that I would never would have pulled the bid. Yeah. That's yeah. Not good. The other thing I was also yeah. concerned about was hotels. I, the right. only thing is I know is that. Uh, nobody was at the Hilton Garden Inn because that's where I was at. But across the street at the uh, Candle Tree Suites was where North Carolina was at. And I never did find out where Iowa and uh, Wright State stayed at. So I assumed down further south there along the interstate or, you know, the interchange. So I, I know, yeah, I know, I know in 1990, 1992, I stayed in uh, something right next to Shoney's on I-70. Is that still no, I know what you're talking about then. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed there after the Red Rose formal, which was the the worst date of my entire life. Right, wasn't there. a jury in, was it? It might have been. It was something incredibly crappy. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Red Rose formal. The All only, right, that was the only thing worse than staying at that place was going to the Red Rose formal back then yep. with the AO pies. Yeah, if I had that to do all over again, I would not be present. That was a regret then. It was a regret. See. 
That's a regret. I'm going to stop digging up all these regrets I have, Kent. Appreciate you, man. All right. That's uh, Kent. Finding all my regrets. The Red Rose Formal. At uh, Anybody ever go to that? That Indiana State? You ever have a date that was uh, an A.O. pie? And all they did was make fun of one another behind each other's back. <laughs> I, go, I told the bartender, there's not enough alcohol in this bar to take me away from this mess. Holy crap. Keep them coming, brother. Keep them coming. Hey, JMV, so I go to a baseball camp at Oklahoma State when I was like 12 by myself. The airline lost my luggage, and I had an eight-hour layover in St. Louis. What a great experience. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how how would this was going to have to be probably by covered rat wagon to get to Braggadocio, Missouri. Look that up on a map. And that's a place it was in the back of remember the little baseball magazine? It's kind of a, a little handheld baseball magazine. Was it called Inside Baseball? It was orange? Black and white on the inside. With with pictures and text, obviously, but orange on the outside was it inside baseball? It was on the uh, the inside of the back cover. Is where I found that camp. Uh, Wes talking Cincinnati Reds at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Wes. Hey, John. How you doing today? I'm great, Wes. Uh, I just wanted to call and see what your thoughts were on the the youth movement we're having in Cincinnati right now with. Uh, they called up Ellie De La Cruz today. Just want to see what you thought. They they can I, they are fun to watch, and if this organization doesn't blank them up, I mean they, I mean they're they're fun to watch. You know there are going to be times when you know obviously Milwaukee is just going to outclass you, uh, and the pitching is going to let you down. But they have some position players that to me are fun to watch. De La Cruz is going to be one. I can't wait to see, you know, Fairchild's another that you get excited about. They, they have a number of positional players that, that really are enjoyable to watch. Yeah. They, uh, we, we went down for, uh, our 13th anniversary this weekend. We actually got to see, uh, Ellie play on Thursday, I believe it was down in Louisville. So it was pretty cool. He's a pretty good prospect. He is rocking number 44, which will stir the echoes of great memories of Eric Davis for me right there. That'll be great. <laughs> 44. No, can't wait. He's in the lineup tonight too, right? I believe so, yep. Run home and watch that, Wes. Thank you, man. Have a good one. I'll see that soon. JMV, multiple Red Rose balls. I forgot it is the Red Rose ball. I called it a formal, which it was. Man, I was all tuxed up, and I'm already uncomfortable. You know, all these chicks are just griping at one another behind their back it was really hilarious but there was not enough alcohol in that place at saint mary of the woods to take you far enough away from all that backbiting it was incredible i think they were at the art yeah there was saint mary's then the holiday Inn. i was at saint mary of the woods over there <laughs> yeah there's a regret uh, Steve's at 239-1070. Steve, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you doing, JMV? Great, Steve. Thanks for the call. You know what? I grew up across the street from Earlham College and uh, knew the Baumgartner kids, Rick and Rhett. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And do you remember the basketball they had? That yeah, the they had, basketball? had the hands on it. Yep. 
Do you, I think it was called spur shot. Do you still shot. shoot with your hands? I mean, do you start with your, your hands on the basketball in that way? Oh, I, I don't shoot anymore, man. I oh, play okay. tennis. I'm I'm synonymous, remember? I got you. I got you. Yeah. I, um, I I never did utilize that, but uh, you know, obviously we had every, I think everybody kind of grew up around here with that, that particular basketball with the handprints on it. We, we had great, that guy was a great coach, Baumgartner. Yeah. And, uh, best thing I think I ever saw in sports maybe was, see, do you remember Vegas Ferguson? I do. Oh yeah, absolutely. The running back. Yes. Yeah, he played center for us against Kent Benson, against Newcastle. Yeah, yep. And, uh, yeah, Vegas, Vegas Ferguson was from Richmond, right? Oh yeah, yeah and he played excellent. center for us. Yeah, in the regionals and uh, against Kent, Kent Benson, and uh, pretty much blocked all of his shots. <laughs> but Vegas was only six three though. Yeah, he's a hell of an athlete. There's no question about that. That's for dang sure. My dad, we lived across the street from Earlham. My dad was like Archie Bunker. We'd all, Erlen was a very liberal college. And so we'd have all these hippies walking through our yard. <laughs> have a bunch of Mike Stivics walking around there, do you? Yeah. Yes, but yes, he didn't like that very much. Excellent, Steve. I appreciate that call. Thank you very much. Dick Baumgartner's basketball shooting camp. I bailed at the last minute. Didn't get to utilize that handprint basketball and did not get in on the early stages of the Violent Femmes. I believe this was either 82 or 83. And honestly, we played that at a pool party of mine, and it just didn't. I thought, man, this sound is terrible. And then they became an acquired taste, the Violent Femmes did in the 1980s. Quick one, we'll come back with you. Final time, Ted Bishop, Greg Rakestraw, Ian Eagle, Stephen Holder, the podcast with each 1075thefan.com. 50 cent tickets on the other side. Be ready for that. We'll close out this show. Get you prepped for trackside coming up at 7. A lot of stuff going on. We'll continue to follow. We got a week long here with you. I don't think I'm out on the road at any point this week, which is a bummer. We'll hang in studio with you as well with a lot of stories from the world of golf, college baseball, Major League Baseball, and, of course, that ongoing saga involving Isaiah Rogers and the Colts and Shane Steichen meeting with the media coming up tomorrow. All things we will cover now and the rest of the week. 93.5107, Fly the Fan. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, look at the, the clean version you're giving me right here at 50 Cent. Now, if I say 50 Cent, I am not cool, correct? Is that like if I say Little Wayne? Hey, let's go see Little Wayne. Not cool. 50 Cent in concert, and I've got tickets for you. Number 9 at 239-1070 right now is going to go on us. Let's see who this might be here. Yeah, there it is. 50 Cent celebrating 20 years of his album, Get Rich or Die Trying. That is a global tour. Was that 50 Cent and Buster Rhymes? Nice. Thursday, July the 27th, Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. July 27th. And those tickets are on us right here to number nine. Sounds like a hell of a show right there. 
And I know a lot of you stood in line for his beverage going back a couple of months ago. That was down in Greenwood, I believe. Yeah, Clay, thanks for sending me this. I, I did see, and Ryan McGee, who's been on the show a number of times as well, had tweeted this, and it reads as follows. This is pretty awesome. Indiana State can't host the NCAA Supers this weekend because of the Indiana Special Olympics on campus for the 51st consecutive year. The 14th-seeded Sycamores have to play at TCU. So what are the Horn Frogs doing, the fans? Making donations to the Indiana Special Olympics. That is a tremendous story right there. Solid sportsmanship on display. It is an incredible bummer that they can host. But that is definitely a good part of it right there. To see that. And Mitch Handa's handling it the right way. Hey, forgot about it. Over. Moving forward. But we talked a lot about that a little bit earlier today. This is from Jim McCann. Hey, JMV, Ian Eagle is one of the best. I love his talk with you, and I'm guessing you're aware that his son Noah is the radio voice of the Clippers and a great listen. Yeah, last time Ian was on, I had mentioned that he is now known as the father of Noah, which he took in stride. JMV, what were you talking about a little bit earlier? Quote, I care about your back door. Um, Yeah. That sounded awkward. (laughs) Listen, I had all great intentions, but it did sound awkward. And the great intentions were to remind you of Premier Deck Coating and how great your back deck could look. And, you know, it may be something where I I utilized the uh, Rhino Shield, the sister company of Rhino Shield. I utilized that with a trim on my house. And they actually, they actually put that on the front door. So why not the back door? So again, all strong intentions. It just came off and sounded a bit awkward. From Andy Dunn, JMV, the comments from Sherrard a little bit earlier today, I think the fact that they completely dropped the ball on this is a fireable offense. Uh, the baseball team can create a clean slate it'll be difficult to do because that is a massive i described it as a massive swing and a miss and that's exactly what it was you have a big time reds debut later on tonight finally de la cruz in the house rocking the 44 Rocking the 44, let's go ahead and stir the echoes of Eric Davis, Magnum 44 right there. But he is in the lineup and ready to go. No question about that. So that should be fun later on tonight. And the question Wes had asked about, do I like that the Reds have some young talent? They have some young talent. And these guys can be fun to watch. But it's not close to being ready for prime time just yet. And the issue is with the Reds, when they are ready for prime time, are they going to be around for the prime time? Meaning, will the Reds' ownership pay them to be around? That's the question. 
that's further down the road, but the question nonetheless. Hey, Ted Bishop, the 38th president of the PGA of America, was outstanding a little bit earlier, so need a little bit of help, obviously, on trying to deal with this whole merger between LIV and the PGA. And Ted, Ted obviously was angled PGA and really talked about um, the, some of the missteps in this, uh, where this is right now, and again, solidifying the points we have all made up to this situation is yeah, it's about money it's exactly what it was about it's where we are but ted was really good that podcast 1075thefan.com ian eagle he is going to be the new voice of the final four on cbs of course voice in the nba play-by-play nfl voice play-by-play was outstanding per usual Stephen holder espn.com the uh, latest in the situation where apparently isaiah rogers knew Um, According to Stephen and others, before the Colts found out yesterday about this, that can't be good. You just, you just, if all this is true, and this is how this investigation goes, then you just got to say, see ya. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. Greg Rakestraw podcast as well, 1075thefan.com. James, great job out of you. You guys inside the lounge via YouTube Live, another well done afternoon. Callers, Twitter followers, everybody, job well done. Thank you. Track sides at 7. I'm back with you tomorrow with more great stuff beginning at 3. Have a fantastic night.